Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, the podcast focusing all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. My name is Jose Manian, sports writer for the Sports Post, and joining me as always, Mario Maya from the Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, and it should not be this cold this late in March. Yeah, we'll get to the weather in a second. I agree with you. As both of us are wearing fucking hoodies, I mean, it is what it is. Like, that's how much it's cold. We're cussing and everything, but we digress because we're here to talk about soccer, and we'll get to the weather in a second. But we have to talk about DC United losing its first game of the 2022 season, losing 2 nothing to the Chicago Fire at home in Audi Field on Saturday night. Stanislav Ivanov scored the first goal in the first half, and then Jonathan Borenstein added the second in the second half to help Chicago defeat DC. I mean, there's not really much else to say other than DC United had a restructured midfield, and it didn't really work out at the end. We'll get into more details in a second, but overall, Mario, what were your thoughts? You were at the frozen tuncher known as Audi Field. What were your thoughts on the game in general? And did DC and I do anything to show a little bit of positive notes coming out of the Chicago match? Uh, so, yeah, I was at the Frozen Tundra at Audi Field on Saturday. Yes, it is true. I did see Penguins waddle into the stadium. <laughs> uh, also, shout out to the Girl Scouts that were the color guard prior to the game. Those poor little girls had to suffer in the cold as well. But... No, I think DC United was flat for most of the for most of the game. Part of it could be the weather that had may had something to do with it, but at the same time, they just were flat on ideas, weren't really creating uh, proper chances in front of goal. Uh, one of the few positives I may have from the game: this was arguably one of Edison Flores' better starts. Now, I'm only just talking about the first half. Because he was pretty non-existent in the second half. But other than that, Chicago kind of exposed um, DC United's uh, lack of depth. And just pretty much the structure of the center midfield. They were able to pretty much expose them in, in certain ways. And they gave Andy Nahar more than he could handle as well. So, yeah, this was a pretty flat game all around for DC United. Yeah, so for me, I, I you know, I watched the majority of this match from home. I felt the same way in terms of how flat they looked. I felt that the center of midfield, regardless of all the changes that were made, and for those who only could could catch most of the game but didn't notice the changes, they had Ola Kamara come in as a striker for Estrada. Uh, Adrian Perez earned a start for Griffin Yao, an attacking midfielder, and then... Sofian Jafal earned his first start for Moses Maiman in the midfield. Outside of, but when you look at even with those changes, and then Drew Scudridge was still in the midfield for uh, Canals, who was still recovering from the thigh injury. I still felt that there was a problem with the chemistry of the teams. Too many changes. The the one injury has been key in how they are lacking in terms of the midfield component. They all. They came into this season wanting Noses Nyman to be the starter, along with Canals. But they never recruited enough stability for a replacement, someone who could cover if one of the two were to get hurt. They had several backups, along with you know what they had before, but they let all those go during the offseason to clear out cap. But at the same time, they never brought in extra bodies, so you have... 
uh, Jafal, who who can play that position, but he's more of an outright winger in college. He's more of an attacking style midfielder. And, you know, you had mentioned it earlier in these last couple of games that you have really felt that the midfield as constructed, especially in the middle, was doing that great either with Drew Scundred playing in in that second hole spot. So I don't, I felt that a lot of cracks came through that midfield. There was not a lot of pressing. If anything, you know, I'm going to steal a line from my father. Without the actual press that you can see, United looks like they have no tactical alignment. If anything, it looks very confusing on the field. And it feels like at times that United is just running out there looking for the ball, and then from there they'll figure it out. But in my vantage point, I felt like United didn't really adapt to the weather well. United didn't really adapt to what Chicago was doing defensively. I felt Chicago kept a really good high line and limited DC United's touches from the ball and overall limited United's ability to do anything on the wings, on the middle of the pitch. Kamara had two good chances. He had the header in the first half, and then in the second half, he had a play that he ended up crossing the ball instead of taking a shot. He just shot the ball right then and there. He had the angle to take the shot. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, given that the wind was was going kind of against you, I could see why he wanted to cross the ball, but still, I, I would have attempted a shot on goal. Yeah, I, I just felt that, similar to you, it's flat, but it, it, it also is a repetition of what we saw after the first half of the of the Charlotte game, well, the first half of the Charlotte game, and then the, the whole game against Cincinnati, the lack of possessive control, a lack of true press, and then just a lack of energy. It felt like at times from DC United, and Nahar being uh, once again, I'm picking on him because I see it the most from him. Most of the goals are coming from his side of the flank. And so at some point, you have to consider if you're Hernan Lasada, do I, if I'm going to stick with this three man back, do I not consider maybe going with an actual center back and then moving Andy in midfield and maybe pulling Julian Gressel in the middle until Kanas is ready and until Moses is back from suspension? I just feel like there's that hole in the midfield is consuming the team now and it's really ruining the flow of the game for them right I feel like this should have been a game where you started Tony Alfaro out in the wing and played Andy Nohar more in that central defensive midfield role just because naturally Andy Nohar is a midfielder who was converted as a right back under his first go around with Ben Olsen but also you would have gotten somewhat of that stability in the back line because Tony Alfaro knows the system Tony Alfaro was a guy that you that was called upon numerous times. And if I'm not mistaken, he also played somewhat of that wing role as well last season in certain instances. So this could have been a game where you brought in Tony Alfaro, kind of just like mixed around, mixed around your options, played possibly Gressel and Nahar as your central defensive midfielders to give some some stability. But also, I see that uh, DC United has gotten predictable in these first three games. They love playing out in the wings. 
But Chicago figured it out pretty quickly, and they were able to neutralize Brad Smith for a good chunk of the game. And if I'm also, if I'm not mistaken, the ball hits Brad Smith's back on the first goal. So, yeah. so it, it, it's like pretty much you're catching DC United flat-footed when they go forward, and there's not a lot. There's not a lot of ideas, and Drew Scundridge has become somewhat of a liability in the central defensive midfield role, as he's giving up the ball a lot. And that that's something that has to worry Hernan Losada going into these games, being that Juice Gunrich has become a little more of a liability. You don't really have a clear idea. But with, with the lack of depth, you also got ways to kind of work around it a little bit. And I just feel like DC DC United or Hernan Losada haven't really haven't really cap haven't really captured that idea just yet that maybe switching things around to see if it, anything can help. Right, and that that's my fear too, is that either the coaching staff is very stubborn or because of the lack of investment in bringing in substitutes um, off the, you know, guys, role players that can come in and and help on a pinch, I, I feel it's limiting this team from where they could be. I like I see Andy and he's growingly frustrated, even though breaking news this week, he signed a new contract after last year's successful season. So he's going to be around for a while. The goal that gets me the most is the Bornstein goal. Yeah. The uh, Ivanov uh, goal comes off of a deflection. He gets off a pass that gets deflected off of Brad Smith, but that Bornstein goal, that was a, a build play that grew from the back and then came on across. It was a ball and then a head flick from Gaston Jimenez. And then Bornstein's wide open. He's wide open. Andy caught ball watching. And 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 then Gressel, who should have been on Andy's side there to help cover, there's nowhere to be found either. So I do – I am concerned about that. And I'm also concerned how many touches Shakiri had the whole game. I felt like Shakiri was wide open a lot of times in the center of midfield. And you're going against a, a Toronto team that, while it wasn't that great last year, it still has its moments. And when you have a guy like Pozuelo there who can attack you whichever angle, he loves to go up the middle and attack defenses from the middle and take shots at will. That's going to be a problem, especially if you don't have Canals and Nyman back. And it goes back to what we said last year. It felt like too many times that one injury basically broke the pyramid down. In this case, one injury and a suspension is really messing everything up for Hernan and the team. But I do think that it, it's of its own making. They keep waiting for the summer transfer window, and they kind of gave up too many free agents when they probably could have re-signed one. Maybe you don't give away Junior Moreno so easily, or you, you know, Felipe, you try to negotiate with him. Right, and that that it shows because they, there's not a lot of reinforcements, and the just the depth of the team is looking pretty volatile at this moment in time. You can't just count on Russell Kadas and Moses Nyman to do all the heavy lifting, and especially if they're not there, where do you go to now? You also can you could also go to the well and call up a couple players from Loudoun United, but that that can only get you so far. 
And I think just waiting for the summer transfer window is kind of a dumb idea, to be honest with you. But it's less of dumb, not to cut you off, but it's less of dumb, but more of like, again, it kind of goes back to the theory that Jason Anderson said back, a filibuster, Jason Anderson, the Black and Red United, for those who don't know, pulled out this theory based on his own reporting that the team wasn't expecting to sell. Um, um, they weren't expecting to offload Paul, and they weren't especially weren't expecting to offload Kevin Paredes. And so what ends up happening is the Paul thing comes up on them. It's not sprung, but it was pretty obvious it was going to happen. And then Kevin Paredes, it was an offer they couldn't afford to lose out on. And so because of that, Kevin Paredes move, it forced United to do a couple of things they probably weren't prepared to do. But they're keeping their same calendar, their same calendar of we're going to rebuild this squad in the summer, which to me, it's like if you're fast forwarding your track, you need to also fast forward your spending habits, too. You know, you get a promotion at work that you weren't expecting. Doesn't mean you're going to continue being thrifty. It means you can now spend that money now. And I think in that case. United thing, has the chance to be more spendful. Right. I think one of those things is they're having a tough time kind of adjusting to that. You got to adapt and adjust. That's the that's the name of the game when it comes to MLS in general. You got to adapt to whatever situation comes to you. You got to adjust to every situation that's coming to you. So I think they're having they had a hard time adapt. They're having a hard time adapting and adjusting to what their surroundings looking look like, especially after they lost Paul and Kevin in the offseason. But yeah, you do kind of have to change your spending habits because you're no longer the, this thrifty team. You you kind of do have the money to spend on reinforcements. You had you somewhat had the money to like re-sign players such as Junior Moreno or Felipe. And it just shows that when you don't spend when you don't spend the money on certain things that you need to adjust, that you need to um, build upon or or positions on the on the field that are desperately need that are in desperate need of reinforcements this is kind of the result i mean granted they won two games to start the season but those games are kind of anomalies but in the on the field it shows that they're not they're having a hard time adjusting to to the limit to the limited amount of players that they have and just pretty and pretty much the uh the style of play is being affected because one of the things I've touched on the first two and the last on the previous episodes is the passing isn't all the way there and it's also kind of it also goes hand in hand on everything that's going on with their central defensive midfielding central defensive midfielding woes and it shows because the 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 crispiness or the connected the connectivity of the passes it's not there and it, it kind of kills the attack a little bit meaning that they're trying to find new desperate ways to create attack and it's forcing your forwards to track back a little more and it's not something that that can be that could be as a viable solution you could only go so far with it and that being a viable plan, you got to switch it up or you got to address the elephant in the room being, what the hell do I do with my lack of central defensive midfielders? Right. And it kind of goes into like 
why didn't you, if you're going to focus on the Loudon thing, why wasn't there any more emphasis on the Loudon guys who were playing center defensive midfielders or central midfielders? Why not put Julian Gressel in more? There's a lot of options they can do now, but I think focusing on Toronto and United after the Toronto game gets two weeks off because it's international break, so they'll be happy about that. But I think that going into Toronto, I do think that one of the concerns is going to be Bob Bradley's going to be more packed in defensively and may surrender some position to D.C., depending on how they feel on their attack. And also Toronto is going to be highly motivated because they lost twice to D.C. United last season. Exactly, with big numbers. So the, my concern is, like I said earlier, Pozuelo. Like if you're struggling with Shakiri in the middle, then you're going to have Pozuelo, who's just as lethal coming down the middle. What is your solution? You need to either have someone who's going to be that bite and that grit, or you're going to have to prepare for an onslaught. And so they either need to get healthy or figure out when this was a suspension. I do believe it's one game, so he'll be back. Hopefully, but you do need to resolve the canal situation. Make sure he's all right. Make sure he can play 100% because clearly this team has loses its engine without canals and definitely without Moses Nyman. So those two are the linchpins. And if they're not there, what's the backup plan? Because like you said, I, I've i seen enough. Not to say that Drew Scudridge is not a good player. I do think he's good, but he's good at spot starts. I think that he, he – and this is the other thing, too, and I need to tell this to every DC United fan. You don't think you were going to get found out? You don't think that the other team has coaching staffs that w- watched last year's matches, prepares for DC United's attack, prepares for Andy Nahar to go up and down the wing, prepares for Julian Russell with his winding crosses and his nice screw balls for to the strikers? You don't think they're prepared for that? Yeah, other teams prepared too. Like, you got to give credit where credit is due. And I think Chicago did an excellent job in holding possession when they had it, creating plays, making good counterattacking runs, struggling DC Knights midfield with, with Shakiri when he was in the 10. Shabuko was partially non existent, but when he had opportunities, he took advantage of them. And, and, and they kept firm defensively. You know, this was a team that hadn't given up a goal for the first two matches of the season. So they came in and they did the defensive work and they got the shutout again. So that's where I stand on it is like United needs to be prepared for their opponent as well. It can't just be, we're going to play our system stuff. It needs to be, they have to prepare for their opponent, not realizing what kind of style they play and what kind of formation they play. Right. And also if you were wondering, yes, a Honduran hero, Jonathan Bornstein, still plays for the Chicago Fire. So if you were asking yourself whatever happened to Jonathan Bornstein, there's your answer. But yeah, you gotta you gotta figure things out going into Toronto into the Toronto game. Not only do you have Alejandro Pozuelo there, you still have a Michael Bradley that's highly motivated when it comes to these games. And when when on their day, Toronto's a pretty dangerous team to play, especially at BMO. Exactly. We'll keep an eye on that, and hopefully it is in better conditions, but it is Toronto. It is by a lake because yesterday, Saturday, was just a bad day for MLS in terms of weather, especially on the East Coast. 
you had conditions out of field. For those who didn't know, uh, it did snow overnight. It blanketed the field. I guess they didn't tarp the field. So what ended up happening, uh, stadium crews had to shovel snow off the state field and the yellow, the orange ball, the famous orange ball had to be used at Audi Field. Meanwhile, in Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts for the Revs and RSL game, uh, wind was just as bad. Whereas DC had 45 to 55 mile per hour winds. The same could be said about Gillette Stadium. Snow was falling at the start of kickoff to make the stadium, quote, look like a snow globe than a soccer field, unquote. You had memes be, uh, thanks to uh, Matt Turner, who was sidelined with an injury, uh, saying, uh, can anybody see the game from here? And just a complete blanket of white. One of the players, after a shot, to, did snow angels. Uh, it didn't help that it was below 32 in New England. Carlos Hill, attacker for New England, was not happy. I don't understand nothing today. It's, uh, I don't understand. Play like this? Do you think we, we play football, soccer today? Do you think we can play soccer today? I don't care about if we win, we lose. We, I don't care. Uh, they score three big goals. I don't care. It's impossible to play football today. I cannot talk with my teammates. I cannot write. I cannot do anything. It's impossible. This is no football. Stop the fucking game. We play tomorrow or any other day. I don't care. This is no football. It's impossible. Like, what is, is try to be long balls to try to the wind is impossible. I don't understand nothing. Adam Busca was also another New England player who expressed his disdain for the conditions on Instagram after the match, saying we should not have played in these conditions. Mario, you were at one of these two affairs. Your thoughts on? Well, obviously, D.C., it stopped snowing after 3 o'clock. But could, should MLS can reconsider their these playing in these snowing conditions? Uh, can we start with the following? Adam Buxa, you are from Poland, sir. It snows <laughs> half the year over there. You should be used to this by now. I, I, you could be used to it at the you same time. To, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, you played in these similar conditions earlier in the week in CONCACAF Champions League against Pumas. But it was different. It was it, different because the visibility was weird, was bad. For the first 45. I'll give the players in New England that. In D.C., they shoveled the snow and made it easier. But clearly, you could, you were there. You could tell me. But on also, the, TV, the pitch was kind of high. So, they didn't really cut like. So, from what we found out in the press boxes, they kind of do mow the lawn at Audi Field prior to the game. But given the snow and that they completely forgot to tarp the whole damn thing. The grass was a little bit high, so it made the conditions a little more difficult to play in. But no, I kind of do agree with Carles Hill and Adam Buxa. It is difficult to play these kinds of games in snow. And given that the wind was such a factor, and in certain parts of the game, you saw the ball, once you play the ball high, you saw the ball kind of levitate a little in the wind. So mm -hmm. it kind of messes up the trajectory a little bit, and it made it kind of tricky. So you had to like kind of time your shots or your passes correctly. So it, it all in the grand scheme of things, yes, it's a little bit difficult to play in these kinds of conditions. And if you're MLS, given whatever conditions you're at, you kind of consider maybe, maybe playing the game in much favorable conditions. 
But at the same time, I understand MLS. I understand why MLS wouldn't cancel these games because just like in Europe, your play they do tend to play in in not so great ideal conditions, and the games continuing on. I will understand if you would say play the game if it was like a foot of snow just about. Uh, then you know I would say go ahead and cancel the game. There ain't no way you could play it. But it's kind of a catch-22 when there's only just like an inch of snow and it stops snowing after a while. But it was unbearable. I, I was out there yesterday, and my God, I was freezing. And yeah. I, and I was in the press box. And, like, there, there was a draft, there's a little bit of a draft coming in. You could feel the cold. I went out in the stand when you go into the concourses and stuff. You could feel it. It was not fun being out there. Then again, me and you were in Columbus, so I was like, ah, I'll survive. We were in Columbus for a World Cup qualifying game. But yeah, it brings in that same old debate that we had back in February when the U.S. played Honduras and St. Paul in below freezing temperatures. Like, should we actually be playing these kinds of games in these kinds of conditions? I think more or less it's just everybody's just over winter at this point and and kind of like we associate the middle of March with a little more nicer weather and not this not the kind of weather we had over uh, on Saturday. I'm going to side with Harlow's Hill with one thing. When you have visibility issues, the match should have been delayed until about 8 or 9 o'clock. Your fans would have stayed. All five, five, 500 of them would have stayed, and you would have been fine. The visibility wouldn't have been an issue. Where I have a problem with is the referees and Major League Soccer not having the stones because of the pretend TV viewers that they have to have the stones and say, we're going to push back this game. They try to make these referees play the game as is, knowing darn well it's a terrible product. I'm going on three di- – you're going to see me jump on three different highways, so stay with me. The referee has no balls to say we're not going to play this game later. The league has no stones either by saying we're going to play this game either. Oh, by the way, we're still recording at 480p. So if you already have problems with visibility as is, now you're going to at home have problems with visibility because you're showing me these games at 480p. So you want me to have terrible vision watching these games. And you want me to uh, not allow the players to be able to see the ball during these games. So – yeah, excuse me if I have very little sympathy for Major League Soccer and their plight here. All these teams and the other players, you know what you came here for. You know what you signed up for. You know that the league starts in in late February into March because they want to have a big extravaganza in December with the with the playoffs. You play through. You play through early February all the way to the end of October. Then you get a two month vacation if you stink. And if you don't stink, you play the playoffs, and then you get a one-month vacation. That's how it works. So for all you pansies out there, yes, I'm calling some of the players pansies. Outside of you guys who have to play in turf fields, I feel no sympathy for you. I feel no sorrow for you. That's what you signed up for. You're a footballer. Get a grip. This is more of an argument with the league and its referees. If I'm a referee and I can't even see my fingers, 
How the heck am I going to have officiate a game? That was ridiculous. It shouldn't have been played at that hour. It should have waited an hour. They should have consulted with the stadium crew. They should have consulted with the meteorologist, told the league. The league, really, really, all five viewers at that hour were really upset that they had to wait another hour to watch a game. Please. We talk weather delays happen all the time. If you're an American, you know what a weather delay is. You get rain delays in baseball all the darn time. You don't you you're used to it and you're prepared for it. Watch NASCAR when it rains. What happens? You wait. Because why the track needs to be dry. So don't don't get me with this. Like MLS needs to stop pretending it's Europe and at the same time European people that want this to be flipped into a European calendar. This is why it's never going to change into a European calendar. It will never flip. The earliest they're going to start is early February. This is why. Because you get places like Boston. You get places like D.C. You get places like, man, even St. Louis coming soon that have low visibility and snow. And then you're supposed to pretend like, oh, we can see the ball. No, you can't. That's why they created the orange ball. So I am not in favor of pushing back the league in the April like the old days. I'm definitely not in favor of trying to play MLS Cup in this, on, on Christmas Eve for F's sake. I am totally fine with the way the schedule is right now, but everybody should be aware this is, could happen. You, New England, when you get a new stadium, build a roof. Problem solved. New, new York City FC, you get a new stadium, build a roof. Problem solved. DC United, build the, the roof. <laughs> well, for the fans, yes, but put the tarp on when you see the weather update. We known since Tuesday it was going to snow. Problem solved. Like that, that, that is my complaint. I'm tired of seeing everybody complain, moan, and whine about it was cold outside. It's been cold outside for two and a half months. Like, get a good jacket. Or you get, you spend two hundred dollars. That's part of your paycheck, ladies and gentlemen. But guess what? Get yourself a new jacket. You might not have to eat uh, waffles that week, but guess what? You'll have a nice jacket that will keep you warm. The players, I'm sorry. I just the, – the league needs to protect you guys. If you can't see the ball, even if it's orange, then they shouldn't play it. I'm with you. Visibility is a factor, and I'm tired of these referees pretending they can referee well in low visibility. You can barely – Well, in regular visibility. Exactly. Now you're supposed to pretend like you're a good referee when you can't see Oh please! Oh no! Don't don't think, don't get me there. So, MLS, pull a page out of baseball. If you need to do a weather delay, do it. As a matter of fact, all leagues, don't be afraid. Premier League's had more weather breaks this year than ever before. Why? Global warming's a real thing. And so, if they can't see the ball, on contrary belief to a former president said once, if you can't see the ball, if you can't see fingers. Maybe you should not play. And I'm not counting with those black gloves on. Take off the black gloves, stretch it out wide, and if you cannot see, you cannot play. Look at the Weather Channel. If it says give it an hour and you'll be fine, guess what? You can then see again. Well, the people at the home still have to deal with the 480p. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stop being cheap one day. I'm just saying. We need to stop complaining about the snow because guess what? That's a thing. Welcome to America. Y'all, y'all didn't like playing in April anyway because y'all had too many vacations after October 31st. Or lessening your vacation time. Deal with it.
Hey, man, that comes with the territory of just pretty much starting the season off in February. I may not like the weather, but you know what? Put on a jacket, put on a hoodie, put on a flannel t- a flannel shirt, and put on an extra layer and said, screw it. We're going to go out here. We're going to give it the whole college try. But, I mean, I agree. The visibility, if visibility is an uh, issue, maybe you should wait. You should delay it an hour. It, it won't hurt. I mean, people will still stay there for an hour. You know, just Audi Field was selling hot cocoa yesterday. <laughs> Come on now. They're like, yo, it's going to be cold. Time to bring out the warm, the warmth. I only bring up visibility because that's been a very big topic online about these MLS in general. A lot of these stadiums so still using. So if you're using- complaining about visibility last night between D.C. United and the Chicago Fire, I'm sorry. You can you can catch me sideways with that. Visibility was pretty clear. Just That's what vis- I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. DC United's visibility was fine. DC United's problem was only they didn't manage their field properly because they couldn't get a tarp. And so what I'm saying about New England and any other team, visibility is a factor. And these referees right. only check field conditions. You no, know, according to the rule book, you have to check all weather conditions, including visibility. These referees only focus so much on can the ball move on the ground? The ball can move, but can the players see the ball? Well, if it's orange, they can. What? That doesn't make sense. A fan can easily bring in an orange balloon and throw it on the field. That's not magically a ball all of a sudden for a player. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can't. You can't get me with this crap about, oh, but the, the, with the ball's orange. Who cares? <laughs> the players can't see. They can't Plus see. Turf. <laughs> Have you ever played soccer on turf? It hurts. <laughs> it hurts, especially in snow. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. It, it, it's just let's protect the players a little bit from here on out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And also, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of excited to see the orange ball come out on Saturday during these games. <laughs> uh, that, that in town, that, that was kind of the highlights of the night. Well, I'm glad you had that excitement. I'm glad that made you smile. That will be enough for us to this edition of that Orange podcast. Before we let you go, uh, Mario, with just big old smile, tell everybody where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to find out what I'm working on or anything regarding the game Saturday against uh, between Chicago and DC United, or you just want to hear about my my rants or just my praises for Griffin Yao and Tony Alfaro totally understanding the assignment when it came to drip, weather wasn't the only thing that was cold outside yesterday. You can follow me on Twitter at Mario Maya One. You want to find out what's going on in the world. Or in the DMB, you can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well, at El Tiempo Latino. You could go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to put money in my pocket so I can buy a better jacket for next winter, you could go to your local newsstand or your metro station and get yourself a hard copy. A hard copy today. Yeah, get them hard copies. They still exist. And then, like always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Special shout out as always to Kevin McLeod and Impotech for the intro music. Remember, rate and subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bad Hombres Episode podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.